You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, welcome Facebook uh, friends. We are about to launch into a message on healing. We're doing a series on healing. And please keep in mind when we're sharing the Word of God that we, I'm speaking it and I believe God is speaking it from the Word of God that is equipping us. We're the ones that are anointed by God, by Jesus, to bring healing to other people. Don't see it as, okay, I need to receive healing. Yes, you need to receive healing. But it's a flow of you being the channel, you being the vessel, you're the ambassador to bring healing to a world that needs healing. Right? We, we, can't just be the, we can't see ourselves, I'm the woman with the issue of blood, just touch Jesus. We're actually anointed of Jesus to bring healing to the world around us. So yes, we have to believe the right stuff. If we believe the wrong stuff, then we're not going to be able to bring healing to this world. So you have to believe the right things in the Word of God. If the Bible says something, it has to become your belief system. Because if you and I believe the wrong things, it's hindering the power of God to flow through you. And I'm going to talk about what those wrong things are. But we need to believe what Jesus actually says. We read Jesus' words. We believe He was sent from God. He was God in the flesh. He was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He revealed to us the Father. So all the things that I'm saying to you, if you say, yeah, well, that's true. That's in the Bible. Then take it on board. If you know the Bible, you should be able to witness in your spirit and go, you know, that's exactly right. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said that to Thomas, Right? There's a lot of scriptures in, in the Bible that gives us a clear understanding of the mission that God gave Jesus, Jesus gave to us. The same mission. Jesus' job description is found in Luke chapter 4, which says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to open up blind eyes, to set captives free. That's Jesus' job description. He's anointed to set people free. That's what God sent him to do. Well, guess what? God sent us to do the same thing. That's our job description. You think, oh, no, that's Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's the only one that can do it. There's a scripture in John chapter 21, the Gospel of John. It says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So in the same mission that God the, God the Father sent Jesus, which we know is to set people free, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, if we're not used to the power of God, we've got to get to, used to it because it's normal Christianity. Amen. To live supernaturally is actually normal. It's got to become our new normal. Yeah. If it hasn't been, that's okay. But let's say, you know, Lord, I want, super, I want Christianity to be normal. It's normal Christianity. True? Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. You know, Jesus didn't have a problem with a crowd. In other words, a crowd followed Jesus everywhere he went. He never had to, oh, I've got I to I I find people to listen to me. They flocked him. Why? Because he had the power of God on his life. Yeah. He had the healing power. Crowds came out of the Galilee and the suburbs and Jerusalem and all over, all over those towns. And they brought all the sick. If any could just, just get in the shadow or just touch his hem, they would get healed. And the Bible says to me, when I read it, all of them got healed. There were times where absolutely everyone got healed. It's powerful. So we've got to understand that Jesus is our model. In other words, he's our perfect theology. You know, I know we've been taught a lot of things. And if you find, if you've got your Bibles, let's have a look at Isaiah 53, please. Isaiah 53, we can pick it up in verse 3. Isaiah, when he writes about the cross and what Jesus did on the cross, 
through the Holy Spirit giving to Isaiah as a prophet, he understood what Jesus did on the cross more and better, not more better, but better, right? Those words came together. But better than the disciples that were following Jesus for three and a half years. They saw Jesus die on the cross. They didn't understand and really understood the fact that Jesus died for their sins. And not just for their sins, the sins of humanity. That's why Jesus was dying on the cross. To set us free from every part of the curse. Spirit, soul, and body. They didn't understand the depth of what Jesus was doing. And then they killed their Messiah. They killed their friend. They killed the Son of God. They believed He was the Son of God, but they didn't know what He was up to. Because He told them on the third day I would raise again. But where were they? They're hiding in a room, afraid of the authorities. And they're crying and weeping because they lost Jesus. They didn't expect him to resurrect. Actually, when the people saw, some people saw him, Mary Magdalene seen him, the two disciples on the road of Emmaus, they saw him, talked with him. When they came to the disciples, they said, we've seen Jesus. He's been resurrected. We saw an angel. We even saw Jesus. And you know what that says? The Bible says they did not believe them. So the disciples didn't understand the depth of what Jesus did on the cross. When you look at the book of Isaiah, in verse 3, it gives us some deep revelation. The Bible says about Jesus, he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he, talking about Jesus, has borne our griefs. That word grief speaks of disease and pain. Disease, sickness and pain. Carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. So in other words, God smitten Jesus so that he doesn't have to smite you. <laughs> you know, Jesus bore our sin on the cross and our sickness. He carried our diseases on the cross. Verse 5, but he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. Not for his transgressions, for mine, for yours. He was bruised for our iniquities, your iniquity and my iniquity. He was bruised for me, not for his own, but for me, on my behalf as a substitute. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. So he was tormented. He was, he was totally attacked so that I could have peace of mind. My soul can find healing. When I think of the cross, I think of that Jesus paid the penalty for every part of humanity. Spirit, soul, and body. Your mind, your will, your emotions. God brings healing to the broken heart. He wants to bring healing to the emotions. And also to the body. He bore our sicknesses. By his stripes, when he was whipped... 39 lashes, we are healed. First Peter quotes it. Peter quotes that scripture and says, we were healed. So we've got to look at when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, none of us have a problem. We don't think it's wrong to say that God is willing to forgive you of your sins. Most of us will preach that gospel. Do you know what I mean? You think, you know, preach the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So you say, if you believe Jesus, God will forgive you of your sins. You will tell someone the hope that God has already forgiven them. You just got to receive the forgiveness. If you accept and believe, you will be forgiven. True, that's the gospel. Do you know there was a time a few hundred years ago, go back three or four hundred years, that you, couldn't, you wouldn't preach that because they didn't believe it. They believed, oh, the sovereign will of God saves people. You can't say that anyone can be saved. Only God knows the grace he puts on people. In other words, they didn't preach a gospel that whosoever will believe can be saved. It was only those that God chose could be saved. It was these guys that Charles Finney and John Wesley, they preached the gospel saying, anyone that believes, God will forgive you. Well, anyone, even a wicked sinner? Yes, anyone. Like, that's the gospel. We have no problem that sin was paid for at the cross. But what about sickness? What about disease? 
Again, we, 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 we muddy the waters because we say, oh, it's, it's if God wants to heal. If God chooses to heal, then you get healed. If he chooses to heal, hang on a sec, isn't sickness a part of our redemption? Sickness and disease were put upon Christ and it was credited to our account. It actually belongs to us. I don't have to exercise a lot of faith if I know that it belongs to us. I don't exercise faith to get in my car because I get the key. It's my car. And I just get in the car because it's my car. I paid for it. Well, I didn't pay for it. I got blessed by it. But I got blessed by the car. Uh, but some, someone that blessed me with this, my van. And um, I get my keys and I get in the car. But I have to exercise a lot of faith to get in my neighbor's car. Because it's not my car. It doesn't belong to me. When you know something belongs to you, you just go, well, that's mine. You know, Jesus referred to healing and deliverance as children's bread. The woman from Sia Phoenicia, I think. I was told it's in Lebanon, right? I was wrong. This morning I said it was in Greek, Greece. But it doesn't matter where she was from. She had a, a little daughter that was demon-possessed, and she he was tormented, the little daughter. And she travels very far to find Jesus because she found out that Jesus is healing everybody. And she now bugs the disciples and disturbing them, says, please, you know, please heal my daughter. And they were pushing her away. Why? She didn't have, she's not an Israelite. She's not a Jew. She doesn't have a relationship with God or a covenant with God. Jesus primarily came to the Israelites to preach the gospel to them, to bring salvation so that the people could bring salvation to the whole world. But right now he's focused to the children of Israel. He told the disciples, go preach to the children of Israel because they're the ones who have covenant with God. I'm fulfilling the covenant. And so he's waiting. And then the lady keeps bugging and bugging. And finally, the lady says, Lord, no, 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 Jesus says, I can't, it's not right to give children's bread and give it to dogs. In other words, you're not a child of God. You don't have a relationship with God. It's not right for me to give what's rightfully my children, which is children's bread. Think about it for a second. Jesus refers to healing as children's bread. If you're a parent, you know what children's bread is. You're always willing to give your kids food. You never think twice about giving your kids food. Never. In fact, God says, anyway, we won't go there. I'll go there later. <laughs> but, but Jesus says, it's children's bread. The woman needed deliverance, and he refers to the children's bread. I want to give it to children. And then she goes, yes, Lord. But even the dogs that are on the, will eat the crumbs that fall off the table of the children that are eating. Just the crumbs is enough to heal my daughter. And Jesus was, with a smile, I believe, he saw faith. And he goes, woman, great is your faith. Your, woman is, your daughter is healed from this very day, this very hour. It's like Jesus was wanting to see faith. Once he saw faith, he had the power of God, bang. But he referred to it as children's bread. How do we see healing? Something that God willingly wants to give to us? Or it's up to him. It's the sovereign will of God. Does he want to or does he not want to? If, it is, if we don't know it's God's will, we're going to pray these sort of prayers. Oh God, if it's your will, heal, heal that person. If it's your will, if it's your will, it is his will. We've got to be rest assured. I believe it's important we've got to know the Father's will. If the Father sent Jesus for this purpose, and the Father sent Jesus, he says, I send you now. We're on the mission that God gave Jesus. If we, we've got to just catch up now. We're going to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to actually believe what the mission we're about. You know, Jesus, 
Genesis chapter 1 says we're made in God's image and God's likeness. No one has a problem with that. Yes, we're made in God's image. Yes, we lost the image of God. We lost the presence of God. We fell into spiritual death. But Jesus dying on the cross, raised our dead spirit back to life. And now we're resurrected spirit that's alive in the presence of God, in the nature of God. And we're made, in the, we're made in the image of God. We can come before God in righteousness because of Jesus' righteousness. And we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms at the right hand of the Father. Jesus resurrected our dead spirit and now we're made in God's image and God's likeness. Our spirit is no longer dead. Our mind needs to be renewed. That's a big problem with some Christians because they don't want to renew their mind. But your mind has to be renewed so it catches up with what God did in your spirit. And your mind gets renewed. Your spirit is already made in God's image and now it starts working together to overcome your flesh and tell your flesh what to do. Your spirit and your mind tells your flesh what to do and your flesh doesn't have a nature of itself. It just obeys. It gets told what to do. So it's important to understand that we're made in God's image and God's likeness. You know, Jesus, Mark chapter 4, if you want to read it, we haven't got time to read it, but Mark chapter 4, verse 37, a storm comes on the lake. Jesus actually says, let's go to the other side of the lake. So what's the will of God? Jesus is expressed, you know, he's, he's expressing the perfect will of God. He says, we're going to the other side. So the will of God is to go to the other side. Now, they get in the, in the boat. There's a lot of other little boats with them. And they start to row across to the other side of the Galilee Sea. And a big storm arises. The sea starts to swell up and big waves and wind and rain and pouring down. I mean, it, just, it, can, it can happen really, really quick. And so Jesus is in the stern asleep. My picture in my mind, I thought, I don't believe a storm comes from God. First of all, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. You know, tsunamis, natural disasters, earthquakes, everyone in the world that doesn't know God says, oh, it's the hand of God. Oh, it's the nature. Oh, nature. And God did this. God didn't do that. That's the curse under this earth. God doesn't send a tsunami to kill 100,000 people. God doesn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So don't blame God for what the devil's doing. So important to actually understand what the Bible says. The earth is under a curse. If the God sent the storm, Jesus had no right to speak to the storm. If everything that ever happens is from God, then why did Jesus tell the storm to stop? Because it was affecting the will of God. It's coming against their journey, their purpose. They just have to go to the other side to preach the gospel. And as the storm arrived, what, what really got my attention is the storm, if it had an entity. Now you might think, oh, it doesn't have an entity. But let's say that the enemy is behind the storm. Because it wants to destroy the disciples' purpose and what they're doing. The entity of that storm doesn't go, Ah, oh, the Son of God's on that boat. I'm not going to go near Him. Because I know that the Son of God has authority over me. So I'm not going to even test it. I'm not even going to go there. But He does. The entity, I'm talking about if the storm had a personality, doesn't care. The enemy doesn't care that you're a son of God, that you're a daughter of God. The storm was raging against the boat. Jesus is asleep. To the point where the disciples are throwing all the water out with buckets and they feel they got so bad that they thought, we're going to die here. Someone wake up the master. Quickly, wake him up. So they finally, Jesus, wake up. He's asleep. Jesus, wake up. Don't you care that we're perishing? We're dying. It's real. This is real life threatening. They really believe they're going to go under. But Jesus is asleep. Isn't that amazing? So if you can sleep in the storm, you can speak to the storm. If you have the peace of God that you know you've got authority in the storm, you're going to sleep in the storm. When he's awake, the Bible says when he's awake, literally awake out of sleep, the storm's still there. The storm's still raging. He's the son of God. He's God in the flesh. He can speak to the storm and the storm stops, but the storm's still there. Until when? Until he actually spoke. 
until he said, be still, be calm. The sea, he spoke to the sea. And the sea took it to calm. See, the things that come against us don't respect the fact that you're the son of God or a daughter of God, made in his image, resurrected, until you actually speak the will of God. Because your words are powerful, just like Jesus' words are powerful. You have to get to the place where you actually believe your words are powerful. When you and I believe our words are powerful, you'll be careful what you say. You won't say, stupid idiot, to someone, because he might just become a stupid idiot. If you had power in your words and you're driving in the car and you, you, you curse someone, you'd be careful. Man. You'll smash them up. If you say, you idiot, the guy becomes an idiot. If your words had power. Why would God give you words if you're using it to destroy? If, give your power words if you're using it to destroy. You've got to see the power of your words. You've got to start using it to build. They let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is you, to, to the use of building someone up that it may minister grace to the hearer. In other words, you speak only words that will build someone else up and God will start giving you authority. He's already given it to you, but it's like giving a little boy a gun. You've got to teach them how to use the gun before they give him the power. That's the same in the spirit realm. You've got to learn how to operate the authority that God's given you. He has already given you authority. You're not trying to ask him to give you something he's already given you. It's already yours. I just blessed me. I thought, God, you're the son of God, Jesus. And, and that storm didn't respect you, didn't care. was still raging until you spoke. It's only when you spoke it had to listen. And that's the same with you. Things around you don't care until you speak with authority. You speak the will of God with humility, but the will of God. Yeah, Rule and reign in your life, over your family, over your children. You see a problem, pray over your children. Pray the, uh, the attitude away. Pray the rebellion away. Pray it. Speak it out in love, in humility. You have authority. Another time Jesus demonstrated authority was uh, when he was hungry. He was really, really hungry, saw a fig tree from a distance, had leaves on it. When a fig tree has leaves, it should have fruit. And so it comes out at the same time. And so when he comes close, he's hungry. There's no fruit on it. And he speak, now he's back to the sea. Now he's talking to a tree. But anyway, that's, that's Jesus. We should do the same. He says to the tree, from now on, no one will eat. From you hereafter forever. He just spoke the word. Now what's interesting, again, we haven't got time to find it because it just takes ages, but Matthew 21, it says, when Jesus spoke it, this is what it says, immediately the tree withered away. If the Bible says immediately, it means immediately, doesn't it? Okay, That's true. It actually started immediately. In Mark chapter 11, Mark's telling the story, he says, when Jesus spoke, it doesn't say immediately there, but they went to the temple that day. And the next day, they, they, they got up in the morning and they passed the tree the next day. It says it very clearly, the next day they passed the tree. And Peter's astounded. Peter goes, Jesus, look at that. Lord, look at the fig tree you cursed yesterday. Yeah. It's withered, is what he said, from its roots. So we know that they could not see physically that something started happening when Jesus spoke. But it, start, it actually started withering, but they couldn't see it with their eyes. It, it happened from the roots. That's what Mark tells us. It started dying from the roots. Now, why am I saying that? Because this is what a walk of faith is. When you speak, you know, I think all my life, until I was a Christian, I started getting taught the Word of God. But all my life, you and I are taught to make judgment with what we see, what we hear. It's sense knowledge. If that says that, that means 
that's the truth. I believe it because I can see it. I can believe it because I can hear it. I believe the facts. But now we're taught about truth, relationship with God. And my relationship with God, truth has to supersede the fact that's in front of my eyes. The fact is the tree doesn't look like anything happened. Jesus, when he cursed it, he didn't go, this is not faith, right? He didn't do this. I wait for the leaves to start falling. When the leaves fall, it started to work. Ah, it's working. Because faith comes from a relationship with God. He knew he's got a relationship with God. He knew if I speak something, it's going to happen. He just knows it. And he used that example and he says this, have the faith of God. Who's he talking to? The disciples. Like you and I. The disciples are learners. People like you and I. He says, have the faith of God. If you speak to this mountain, I reckon there's a mountain right there, and tell it to be removed and be cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. Wow. So I thought, when I read that, I thought, I'm going to say it. I've got to believe, if, if I you know, speak to the mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and do not doubt in my heart, but I believe that what I say will come to pass. I've got to believe that what I say will come to, heart, come to pass. I've got to have faith in my words because of my relationship with God. Power in the words. I've got to believe it. And if I do not doubt in my heart, but I can doubt in my mind, but I don't doubt in my heart. Those things which I say will come to pass. You will have whatever you say. You can doubt in your mind. It's okay. I've heard stories where people, you know, taking, taking someone out of a wheelchair and, and, and even Paul would have had to do that. Paul, when he said, stand up on your feet and walk. The guy never walked before. But I've heard stories where people say to someone in their wheelchair, get up on your feet and walk. And their brain is fighting them saying, what happens if it doesn't happen? You're going to look a fool. Everyone's going to think you're a false prophet or something. You know, look, what happens if it doesn't happen? So your brain was fighting him, but his heart had enough faith to believe that God can do it. And he acted on his heart and it happened. Does it make sense? Your heart. And I thought to myself, well, how do I do not doubt in my heart? How do I not doubt in my heart? It's got to come out of my relationship with God's word. If I know the Father, I really know what he's like. And I know his will. How do I know his will? It's in the word of God. God would never put in the Bible what's not in his will. The word reveals his will. What his will is, his word says. He won't will one thing and he says something else. He always speaks what he wants. It's his will. He wrote it out. He spoke it so we know his will. So we're not guessing his will. We've got to know it. So when you know it, and I know the Father, I know what he's like. I know his nature. I know that he wants to heal people. I'm not second guessing. I hope this is your will. I've got to believe it's his will all the time. Is it his will all the time to forgive sins? Most of us say, yeah, of course, Leo. He paid for the price on the cross. Is it his will to heal people all the time? Yes, it's paid for on the cross. Paid for it. Now I send my, if I send my mobile over there, if I send um, my boys to go get some chicken, like El Jana, right, in Blacktown, and uh, say to them, use my credit card or my debit card, money's in it, it's, a, it's an account. What, what, he trusts my word. So Ethan's 19, let's say he drives, he drives there, he goes, gets El Jana. He's believing that dad's word is good. Because dad said money's in this account. All you have to do is use the pin. The pin is the pin is Jesus. All right. All you have to say is the name of Jesus, and the account money, the money that's in the account is already credited. It's already in there. Will be transferred and pay. It's funny how we just trust all these things, but would pay 
the person's bank account transferred from my it's actually in there if i know it's in there ethan's got faith to do it but what happens if i sent ethan on this mission and there's no money in here and every time i send him there's never money and it always bounces it always declines and i say ethan can you get some chicken and he's gonna have no faith to do it you gotta believe that there's money in the account and you gotta know the name of jesus and that God's willing to transfer the power that's already there, already credited to your account, already belongs in you. The Holy Spirit's already inside of you. God's presence and power is already in you. And when you pray for someone, God wants to release it. That's how faith resides. Any great man or woman of God that ever did anything great for God, Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lay, Catherine Kuhlman, Mary Woodworth, Edda, any of these great people, you are, you, I've read a lot of their books. You look at their theology, it was always they believed God's will was to heal everybody. We look back and go, how do they do all that? How do they pray for everybody? They just believed that it was God's will. They believed it was God's will and and then God used them to heal the sick. Will we get disappointed? Absolutely. I pray for thousands of people and a lot of them have not been healed in the past. I I used to pray for people in the hospitals, half dead, just tubes all over them and, and, and pray for them and they still didn't get healed and they died. Does that mean the word's not true? No, I'm learning, I'm practicing, and I'll keep praying for people until I see them get healed. If I pray for someone that don't get healed, I do not lower my theology and belief in God to my experience. If my experience means I pray for someone that didn't get healed, oh, well, this doesn't work then. Then you'll never believe the Bible. I keep praying for, I, I, I pray for my mum. She had bone cancer for two years, constantly praying, pastor, praying, releasing my faith, commanding demons, everything, and she still died. So I've got to live with that and still believe the Bible. I might, I might not understand why. How, why didn't we get her healed? I, I, I believe I didn't have the faith to see her get set free because I believe God wanted her healed. God never put sickness on her. I know 100%. And because I know 100% that God didn't put sickness on her, I never questioned God. Why did you let this happen? Why did you let Because she suffered for two years. Watch your mom deteriorate. Suffers is, is hard to do. But I knew it wasn't God. Because I've got a th- simple theology. You know what it is? The devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. Anything that's killing, anything that's stealing, anything that's destroying, blame him. Don't blame my precious father. And God, Jesus says, I came to give life and life more abundantly. Anything good like that from a father, then you can blame my father. Because that's what he's like. We say, oh no, but you know, we're not talking about Jesus being perfect theology. We're talking about if it's in the life of Jesus, then believe it, please. If Jesus never demonstrated it, then don't believe it as a theology, as a belief. If you ever look at the life of Jesus, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over. Actually, most of it, a lot of it says, and all were healed, and everyone was healed. A lot of that. I understand he prayed, he went to the pool of Bethsaida and healed one, but the others didn't get healed. I understand in Nazareth. He healed a, small, a few sick folk, but not everyone got healed. He couldn't do many mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. So even him, because he, whatever he saw the Father do, he would do. If people had unbelief and an offense in their heart and criticizing him, it would hinder the power of God. He would have to see what the Father's doing. He was able to get a few sick people healed, but not everyone. Does that mean God's will wasn't to heal them? Yes, it was. We, did you ever see Jesus go, huh, Holy Spirit speaking to me. Father says, God put this sickness on you. So that you could suffer and so you can learn. 
because you're too proud and God had to teach you something. If I saw that in Jesus, then I would, I would preach from the pulpit that God put sickness on people. But I've never seen it in the life of Jesus. Because it would be like this, me taking my five-year-old little kid. Son, come over here. I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to show you that the stove is hot. So that for the rest of your life, you will learn a great lesson that you will never burn yourself. I need to teach you this lesson. So I grab my son and I turn on the stove hot, beaming until the things are really hot. Grab his hand and throw it on there and stick it there for five seconds until he, yeah, until he gets a good burn. He says, okay, now you can hardly use your hand, but at least forever, you will know that what is hot is hot. I had to teach you a lesson. And okay, son, come with me. I need to show you how not to stand behind cars. So I take him behind my car, get in the car and put his leg there and just roll over his leg until it's good and broken. And when it's broken and, and I can stand here, can you see how the cars are dangerous? When I say don't walk, don't play in the, in the roads, you should not stand before, you know, near cars. Now you know a lesson that cars are dangerous. Now, what father would do that? First of all, if a father did that, you'd say child abuse and they'll be thrown in jail. Yet, most people blame God for worse. We put a cancerous disease on someone to teach them something. Don't blame my God like that. The Bible says God is a good God. Jesus actually refers to it. He says, if you being evil, us human beings are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. If your child's hungry, you don't give them a stone. I've never seen a father go, <laughs> I'm going to give my son a stone. I want to see what he does with it. And if you ask for eggs, I'm going to give him a scorpion. Where's my scorpion? Imagine the picture that Jesus is painting. He's trying to say, you would never do that. And he goes, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, you, being evil, selfish, sinful, spiritually dead, separated from God, understand what evil is. You, you being like that, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? Jesus is trying to get the revelation. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts? To his children. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit too at one, one point. He's willing to give you the Holy Spirit. Always. You need a refill? He always wants you. He's not holding back. Never holding back. It's just so important to understand the will of God. You know why I'm saying it like this? I want every one of us equipped. So you don't see yourself, I need, the, I need someone to pray for me. I need the great man of God. I need the great preacher. I need the great evangelist to lay hands on me. That happens, but that's a very low level faith. God wants to mature you to a place where you pray for someone or you say, God, thank you for your covenant that 2,000 years ago you bore my sicknesses, carried all my diseases and get angry. Devil, you have no right to put sickness on me. What right have you got to put sickness? You know, say, twist it around again. Do you think Jesus, the devil had a right to put sickness on Jesus? Let's say it this way. Do you think the devil could put sickness on Jesus? The answer is no. The devil could not. He's got no right to put sickness on a son of the living God who's full of glory and full of light. Yet, we just say, oh, someone knocks on the door. You don't even know who it is. It's a stranger. Puts a parcel there. Don't take it into your house until you open it up and look at it. Or some stranger walks on the, knocks on the door and says, can I play with your children? Can I, what? I'm not letting you. You don't just let anything in your home. Someone knocks on the door and a demon wants to give you sickness. Oh, God, there's sickness. Resist it with your faith. Say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to receive this. Even if you're sick, resist it. Even if it's your dying breath, resist it and believe God for healing. You know what I'm saying? Please, please don't hear what I'm not saying. If you're struggling with sickness, 
Let's just get angry and say, you know what? God has done this. He's died for me. He paid the penalty. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to preach it with, with the reality that I see it as. We've got to learn to walk in it, though. Jesus, I've just got to quickly tell you this. You know, Jesus, the reality of him walking with God was amazing. The relationship, the love, the connection he had. He says, Peter, James and John, come. I want to show you something. Went to the mountain of transfiguration. They walked up the mountain. It would have taken them a while, probably a couple of hours. Who knows? They got up there and he starts to pray. The Bible says he starts to transfigure before them. His face shone like the sun. His, his clothes were white like lightning. What's happening? The glory that's in Jesus is breaking out and he's showing his Peter, James and John the glory that he lives in. And this is, this is one, I believe, Jesus' prayer time. Possibly his common prayer time. This is what he experienced quite commonly. And Moses and Elijah shows up, and that probably wasn't commonly, I don't know. But he talks to Moses and Elijah about him dying on the cross. So they were giving him specific instructions and giving him revelation about him dying on the cross. The Bible says that. And then, I mean, by this time, Peter, James, and John are on their face, falling down, weeping, uh, uh, shaking with fear, trembling, the Bible says. And then a bright cloud come. A, a, a bright cloud of God's glory. Not just a normal cloud. This is the glory of God. A bright cloud of God's glory. And God the Father speaks from the cloud. And he says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Just a powerful experience in encountering God. Jesus comes down from that mountain of reality, of relationship. So you've got to have this reality. That's why I'm bringing this up. You've got to have this relationship to your level, to your walk of faith. You've got to have this connection. He comes down from the mountain and there's a man that's got a demon-possessed boy that's thrown him in the fire, thrown him in the water, trying to kill him. The Bible says this father brought his sick child to the disciples so that disciples could cure him or heal him. And the Bible says the disciples, uh, the father says, but they could not. So think about it. Here's the disciples, the followers of Jesus. They've prayed for others. They got healed. And now they're praying for this little boy and they're trying to get him free and they can't do it. They didn't know how to do it. Do you think it was, we would have said this, it mustn't be the will of God. We would have said it's not the timing of God. It must be God's timing. God hasn't chosen to heal him right now. It must be another time that God's healing power will come. And we would have said so many things. But you know what? Jesus is there right on the spot. He comes down from the glory. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. Bring him to me. And the moment the boy saw Jesus manifest, Jesus says one word, one command, and the demon leaves. Instantly free. And then they asked him in the home, Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus says, this kind doesn't come out except through prayer and fasting. So certain levels and certain kinds that are a bit stronger, a bit more stubborn, a bit harder, unless you're at a certain level of faith and you know your authority, it's not going to listen to you. Jesus didn't have to run go for, to know his authority, did he? He didn't have to go run and pray and fight. He's living a lifestyle of that. So he just knew and he spoke. What I'm trying to say in that, God's will didn't change. It was always his will to set that boy free. But the disciples couldn't connect it. They, couldn't have, they didn't have the faith to set that boy free. God didn't change his mind. No, 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 I won't heal you. And then, yeah, 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 Jesus is praying. He wants to all the time. Does that make sense? You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.